Well, there's a good chance we might get to see that freshman quarterback a lot tomorrow. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Zach Seiko. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That is promo code Locked On. This is my Northwestern preview. The Nittany Lions take on the Wildcats tomorrow. Uh, everything you need to know about both teams heading into this matchup, the circumstances surrounding the game. Uh, but we will start the show with news and notes for each team, just in general, for the game. Uh, Penn State is now a 25-point favorite. Uh, over the course of the week, that, is number, that number's moved around. It opened up at 25, uh, and then it moved to 28, and now it is back down to 25. The total, which was at about 52.5, has now moved to 51.5. And, and we'll get into the reasons why that could be. It is a 3.30 kickoff for anybody who didn't know. Of course, it's at Beaver Stadium on the campus of Penn State. And it is on ABC. It will be televised on ABC. The weather. A little rain from Tropical Rainstorm Ian. And to take a quick pause and just to uh, offer up my thoughts and prayers, uh, any blessings that we can offer to the victims of Hurricane Ian, uh, particularly down in Florida. Uh, anybody that has lost a home or does have a family mem- member that is in danger, uh, just anything that we can uh, say and do to help them uh, in this time. But that uh, rainstorm is making its way up the coast, uh, and Pennsylvania is expected to get uh, a little bit of rain, and there is a possibility of it during the game between Penn State and Northwestern on Saturday. Uh, a rain jacket is recommended, apparently, uh, but it's nothing uh, too, ca- too much cause for concern. Uh, it's supposed to be a high of 55 degrees, and wind gusts could see uh, be between 18 and 20 miles an hour. Uh, not really good if you want to try to throw it, air the ball out. Uh, also not good for the kicking game, and there's been some question marks for Penn State surrounding that. This is the big news, and let off with it in the cold open. Sean Clifford, starting quarterback. This team's 4-0 for Penn State. Only one turnover. He's responsible for 12 touchdowns. Could he be on the bench on Saturday, tomorrow? Well, we don't know. We don't know for sure. Uh, And for a few reasons. Uh, So this is a lot of, you have to do a little bit of detective work here because this isn't something that James Franklin, uh, Sean Clifford, or anybody else has said outright. Uh, But us media have uh, done a little Sherlock Holmes work. and, And there's a few clues that have been laid out that Drew Aller could actually get the start on Saturday. Uh, and some of it is some logical reasoning. Uh, others is, well, it's just suspicious the way the players have been acting. So uh, the first the first thing that caught everybody's eye was actually the social media of Deny Dennis Sutton. Five-star defensive end, had two sacks last week against Central Michigan, his first career sack against Auburn. Uh, he's very good buddies, of course, with his fellow freshmen, including other fellow five-star recruits, uh, one of which is Drew Aller. Uh, well, in an Instagram photo of Drew Aller, uh, the caption says... QB1. Hmm. Why would you say the backup quarterback is quarterback number one if that means that 
Sean Clifford may not be available. Oh, that's where it starts. Uh, and then you start to now this is where the reasoning comes into play. And this is where you start to piece the puzzle together. Uh, James Franklin was asked quite a bit uh, about, well, not, I don't know how much he was asked specifically, but he was asked a direct question in his weekly press conference. How much do you want Drew Aller to play? Uh, and he just kind of went off on a tangent and said, well, we want everybody to play. We want everybody to get significant reps. He didn't really outright say that Sean Clifford, you know, was playing or he, if you've noticed, Sean Clifford's taken a lot of hits over these past few weeks. Took some, honestly, some bad. I mean, I know he got up after the WWE style hit against Auburn, but he took a really bad blindside hit in the game against Central Michigan. Uh, we do know that he likes to wear that knee brace, if that's just extra protection, if that's precautionary, or if that's because he is dealing with a knee injury. Uh, it's really something to keep an eye on throughout the season, but Sean Clifford may not start this game, or they might start him, see how he does, and then they might be quick to pull him and put Drew Aller in, and can you blame him? Uh, so James Franklin was coy about how they plan to use quarterbacks in this game, even though he was asked pretty directly. Uh, at practice from each week, uh, media gets about 20 minutes or so of the ability to shoot basic position drills. You don't see a whole lot. You just kind of take notice of who's there, who's not, uh, who had some cool catches or some good footwork or whatever. And Sean Clifford was throwing the ball, so it was pretty limited. But the next part of it all is the fact that they don't have they don't have to play Sean Clifford in this game. That's the final reason. Aside from Sean Clifford's taking a bunch of hits, what Deny Dennis Sutton put on his social media and the way that James Franklin talked about quarterbacks uh, to the group, and he he just kind of kept saying, you know. Uh, we, we will let you know, you know, when there's a when there's a big change or whatever. Uh, so maybe that's him getting defensive and whatnot. But they don't have to play Sean Clifford in this Northwestern game when they're favored by almost four touchdowns and they have the bye week coming up. You might want to give Sean Clifford a full two weeks to recover if he's dealing with an injury because Michigan, not Ohio State, Michigan is the most important game on this schedule, especially what we know about this Penn State program. Penn State is a team that it, it rides momentum one way or the other. And they're a very emotional program because James Franklin's an emotional coach. Um, and we've seen that when they go into the game, as we are now going to dub it from here on out, whether it was Minnesota back in 2019, uh, or if it was Ohio State at one point in time, or it was Iowa just last year, where they go into a game where it's you know neck and neck and a game where they definitely should have won and they come up short, then they're just kind of flat the next couple of weeks. Look what happened. Just last year, you're flat against Illinois after you lose that close game on the, on the road at Iowa when you feel like you should have won. We've seen that happen quite a bit in 2018 and 2017, and Michigan State usually seems to be that follow-up opponent, at least historically, where they go out, they lose a close game to, it was Ohio State, uh, and then they follow up with a loss to Michigan State. Same thing happened last year, Iowa and Illinois, uh, and even in 2020, and 2020 is a season I don't even count, but that was a game that 
They should have won in Indiana. It was an awful call. They end up losing by a point because of a bad call by the referees in the replay booth on the two-point conversion for Indiana. And Ohio State, that's a tough team to just overcome in general. That was a team that made the national title game in that COVID season. But then they just look completely lost against a Maryland team that you know nine times out of ten they could have beat. But that's what happens. Penn State is looking at the game is what my point is. And if they lose a close one at Michigan, that might dictate what's going to happen against Minnesota and Ohio State because Penn State teams under James Franklin traditionally don't bounce back if that game doesn't go their way. So look at 2016. The game was that number two Ohio State team, and they won, and look what happened. They made the Big Ten Championship. They made the Rose Bowl. So Penn State is a, that pendulum and momentum swings both ways uh, for this Penn State program. And with that being said, do you really want to risk your quarterback in a game that you should win when you have a capable backup behind him now? It's not like you have to force an inexperienced Christian Veyer or an underdeveloping Taquan Roberson. You have a Drew Aller that is ready for this type of game. So what does it mean for Aller? Well, it means a chance for him to get not only valuable experience against a Big Ten opponent. I know Northwestern is probably the worst team in the conference right now, but You give him that opportunity to go a full four quarters and just get that out of the way when he is a true freshman 18-year-old. So This is also a good opportunity, not for the long term, but the short term as well, to see how Drew Aller actually does when the score is 0-0 and not when he has a three or four touchdown cushion. How is he going to manage himself in a game where it's still even and there's a lot of high implications in that game? So long-term, it's great. You just get him more experience, and he's ready to go because he's the projected starter for next year. You don't need to tell me or anybody else that twice. But if Sean Clifford happens to not be available or he does go out for a couple of plays when the game is really close, now Drew Aller has that in-game experience, and he can go to that even though he's still very young. Other news for Penn State, uh, Kevon Lee was seen at practice, uh, the starting running back to open the season, but I don't know that he's going to have that role anymore. I think it is Nicholas Singleton's and Catron Allen's to split, whether Allen's RB won one week or Singleton becomes the starter. I really think Kevon Lee's third on the depth chart, and it's a shame uh, just because I have to say it now, uh, with all of the eligibility he has left in college football, I would not be surprised if he enters in the transfer portal uh, at the end of this season. I don't think he wants to be a rotational backup. I think he he knows he can play, and it's going to be a matter of how much he plays down the stretch, but I think he is running back three. He's a good depth piece right now, but he doesn't want to be there. Uh, And James Franklin actually commented on Smith Vilbert and Keziah Izzard, two defensive linemen that have been missing to open up the season. We don't know if they're injured. We don't know if it's academic. I imagine it's injury-related, uh, but James Franklin in his press conference and then uh, post-game practice media availability uh, opened up about Smith Vilbert and Kaziah Izzard, respectively, just saying, you know, we, we got to look at their situations and talk to them before I share anything moving forward. Uh, for Northwestern, coming into the season, coming into this game anyway, one and three on the season, 
And the biggest piece of news, honestly, for the Wildcats is that new $800 million stadium they plan on constructing. The new Ryan Field, 97 years old, that stadium that they have, uh, it's going to be privately funded, so it will not cost the taxpayers a dime, but it will be smaller. They're actually going to take away 12,000 seats. It's going to go from 47,000 to 35,000. This is legitimate. Uh, and like I said, this is the biggest piece of news, and it's what you have to talk about in about Northwestern when you lose three in a row to Duke, uh, Southern Illinois, who's out of the FCS, and Miami of Ohio in back-to-back-to-back weeks, and all those games were at home. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season. It is easy to get started and easy to play while you watch your favorite team. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. You just pick between two and five players across any team, and not just your own team. You can decide if they will finish higher or lower than their stat projection. One of the easiest fantasy games to play out there, and you can win cold, hard cash in a single game. Sign up with the promo code LOCKEDON, that is one word, LOCKEDON, and Underdog will double your first deposit of $100. So deposit $100, you get a free $100 from Underdog. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's underdog fantasy. Promo code locked on. One word locked on. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. My name is Zach Sago. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. When we come back, things you need to know about Northwestern and Penn State for this game. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. Thanks for joining me today. We are talking about Penn State and Northwestern. Kickoff tomorrow at 3.30 at Beaver Stadium. A little bit of rain expected. Things you need to know about Northwestern. Well, already been mentioned before. Uh, they are 1-3 overall, 1-0 in conference. If the Big Ten finished today, the season ended today, it would actually be Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. That's why you play 12 games, so that you avoid something like this. Uh, the lone win is against Nebraska, and it was out in Dublin, Ireland, 31-28. to Kudos to Northwestern. When I was watching that game, uh, my first takeaway was, Man, this team is better than advertised because everybody last year and coming into the season, and rightfully so now that we've seen this team play a little bit, is that Northwestern is the worst team in the Big Ten. And I said, you know what? Nebraska was supposed to be better. This is a good win for them in a neutral site. Uh, Not the case. Both Northwestern and Nebraska are very bad football teams this year. Uh, The Wildcats after that responded with three straight losses to Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami of Ohio. Uh... You lost to a MAC team and an FCS team. Duke is understandable. Duke is somewhat respectable out of the ACC. It's comparable competition. Southern Illinois, inexcusable. I was honestly laughing at Northwestern a couple weeks ago, and then they just doubled down uh, with this loss to a MAC team in Miami of Ohio. Uh, Miami of Ohio was without its really good starting quarterback in Brett Gabbert. Uh, had that been the case with Gabbert in, I guess you can make the case for why the Red Hawks would have beaten Northwestern that day, but they were with their second string quarterback. It was just abysmal, and they came up on the short end of it. So now they are one and three. Uh, key players from Northwestern, names that you need to be aware of for tomorrow. Quarterback Ryan Halinski transferred in from South Carolina. Uh, he's been uh, accurate 
with the football. Uh, he throws a lot for Northwestern, which is kind of weird given that Pat Fitzgerald's still the head coach and he's always been that ground and pound, run first, uh, defense wins wins games. I can't say wins championships, wins games for Northwestern. And this year they've kind of been the air raid where it looks similar to Mike Leach. If you remember his Texas Tech team, Washington State, now he's down at Mississippi State where their their game plan is just to throw as many times as they can. Uh, and that's what we've seen out of Ryan Holinsky at quarterback. Uh, the running backs are Evan Hall first and Cam Porter. Cam Porter's trying to work his way back from injury. He's looked fairly explosive. Uh, they lost him early in the season last year, and now he's just making his way back. But Evan Hall has honestly been the best thing that could happen for this Northwestern team. He leads the team in rushing and receiving, had over 200 yards receiving uh, against Duke. I, I mean, he, he is a really tough-as-nails type of running back uh, and something that and a program that anyone would be lucky to have, not just Northwestern. Uh, the receiver to know is Malik Washington. He is the senior. He's the old guy in the group. Uh, this Northwestern offensive line actually returned four starters for a year ago, and I thought that they would be a lot better. They're good. Uh, they're not great, but they're a lot more solid. Peter Skaronski is the left tackle, protects the blind side for Ryan Holinsky, which is probably why uh, he's performed the way that he has to this point. Uh, and Skaronski, honestly, is guaranteed to be a first rounder in the 2023 NFL draft. Uh, and honestly, I would go as far to say that he'll be a top 15 pick, maybe even a top 10 uh, when all said and done and some scouts to get to see him closely because he's, he's on a bad team right now. And moving to the defensive side of things, uh, Northwestern has looked better on offense. The defense has allowed quite a bit of points uh, in the season other than the Miami of Ohio game last week where they only surrendered 17. Uh, Devin O'Rourke had a good game last week against Miami of Ohio at the defensive tackle spot. He is coming back from injury, and he's looked good uh, in his brief appearance this season. And safety Cam Mitchell's the guy who's just kind of making all the plays on defense. Northwestern has a secondary that did not return a single player who had forced a turnover last year. And that that's really saying something. A secondary that doesn't make plays, that doesn't do any ball hawking. Uh, but Cam Mitchell has played uh, very well for this Northwestern defense. And those two guys are really the only bright spots. How Northwestern likes to play, it would, I, I can't believe that they are really a pass-first team this year. Uh, Ryan Holinsky isn't the greatest quarterback around, but they, they trust him. They feel that he's worked hard. I've kind of heard that from other people that are around the Northwestern football team covering them is that he's just made a lot of strides when he transferred in. Kind of came late to the party, transferred in pretty late and had to go through a steep learning curve, but he's dropped some weight. He's become more of a leader. Uh, they say there's a certain swagger to him. And, and I mean, and it's fairly showed. They're, they're averaging over 300 yards per game passing. And that's a credit to Ryan Holinsky. They also have the fourth, fourth most passing attempts in the country as well. And that's among 128 FBS programs. But just very uncharacteristic for... Northwestern. 23 points per game for this offense. The defense is okay, just not as good as usual by, by any of these Pat Fitzgerald teams. They're a 4-3 defense, uh, and currently they are surrendering 229.5 passing yards per game and allowing 160.8 rush yards per game. So you can attack them both ways. The secondary uh, isn't allowing as much yardage as you would expect them to. 
But it seems like you can break off some good running plays uh, against this front seven. Now on to Penn State. Penn State's averaging 38.8 points per game behind six-year senior starting quarterback Sean Clifford. The offense has only turned the ball over once, and it was week one versus Purdue. It was that pick six, and honestly, you can just forget about it. Didn't impact the game. Penn State was still able to win. The Nittany Lions, of course, are riding this dynamic duo of Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen, the true freshman. Singleton has 376 rushing yards through four games and four total rushing touchdowns. Allen's behind him with 217 and three touchdowns collectively uh, as the whole running back core. 185.5 rush yards per game. That is a revelation compared to what it's been from 2020 and 2021. And it is very refreshing to have a respectable running game for Penn State. And it opens up so much more and it makes the quarterback better. It makes the offensive line better. It just makes everybody better. Brenton Strange has emerged as Clifford's favorite target. Mr. All Reliable uh, doesn't lead the team in receiving yards. He's actually one yard behind Parker Washington. But Strange, I think, is the number one receiver in this offense just because when it's third and five, Sean Clifford looks at Brenton Strange. 14 receptions, 211 yards, and three touchdowns for Brenton Strange. On to the Penn State defense. The defense has forced eight takeaways in the past two games, four against Auburn and four against Central Michigan. Uh, And even in terms of fumbles and interceptions, four and four. Twelve sacks by nine different players. So pressure's coming from everywhere, and that's the Manny Diaz scheme. It's not coming from one guy like an Arnold Abacady last year. Uh, It is coming from cornerbacks, linebackers, defensive linemen, whoever can get through. And 12 sacks by nine different guys. Deny Dennis Sutton leads the team with three at defensive end. 16.8 points allowed per game, 275 passing yards allowed per game, and 92 rush yards per game. Now those statistics may seem a little weird to you. 275 passing yards. Gosh, they have no pass defense. Who cares that they're forcing takeaways? Not the case. When you play Purdue week one, you're going to give up a lot of passing yards. You're also going to look better in the run category as well. But that Auburn wasn't able to run the football. Central Michigan, Ohio, none of them had serious success. But the way that Purdue likes to run the game plan where they throw the ball 60, 70 times, which they did, Uh, And Penn State was still able to hold that passing attack, who threw about 60 times, to 350 yards. So that's why the passing yards on average seem a little more than they should be. Uh, Key players to watch in this one for Penn State. I could go through, of course, the obvious ones. Sean Clifford, uh, whether whether he plays or not, I, I don't know that he will. But it just seems a little strange with all of the things that have been going on throughout the week. Uh, If Drew Aller plays, it makes sense if they want to have Sean Clifford full and ready to go for Michigan. That's all I'm saying at that. But I could get Nicholas Singleton. I could say Catron Allen. I could say the offensive line. I'm actually going to go with the wide receivers in this one because Northwestern secondary is probably the weakest position group on the defense. And you want Mitchell Tinsley. You want Parker Washington. You want Keandre Lambert-Smith to have that big game, to really step up and to go through and really show that they are one of the best position groups on this team. And they've just been kind of quiet because they haven't been asked to do a whole lot. On defense, 
could name everybody. I could name Joey Porter Jr. I could name Jair Brown. I could name Abdul Carter. And I mentioned Abdul Carter. I'm going to go with the linebackers because in my next segment, I'm going to talk about what Northwestern's going to do for its game plan tomorrow. But the linebackers need to be ready to go. In a game where you could see plenty of rain, the ball's not going to be in the air. It is going to be on the ground. And I'm surprised that Northwestern just hasn't run the ball as much as they did. Maybe they were saving this plan for Penn State. But it's going to be an ugly game. Northwestern has Evan Hall and Cam Porter, two extremely talented running backs, four starters returning on that offensive line, a first-round pick at left tackle, the linebackers, Tyler Elsden, Kobe King, Jamari Budden, Abdul Carter, Jonathan Sutherland are all going to be very active because they are going to run the heck out of this football tomorrow. When we come back here on Locked on Nittany Lions as we continue to preview Penn State and Northwestern, I'm going to give you the keys to the game for each team, how Northwestern can make this competitive, how Penn State can make sure they secure a win, and then reaffirm my prediction for Saturday's game. It is Locked on Nittany Lions. Welcome back to Locked on Nittany Lions. I am your host, Zach Seiko. Our final segment today consists of the prediction and keys for both sides. Uh, We will begin with the Wildcats again because they are the visiting team. Northwestern, if they want to be competitive, if they want to try to pull off the upset of the century, being 25 to 28 point underdogs, whatever, wherever you look, if Northwestern wants to be involved anyway in this game, they have to shorten the game. They have to play ugly. They have to copy Illinois. And I've kind of been saying that a, a few times now. I thought that Auburn would do that. I Central Michigan actually did that a little bit the way they played. They kept their game plan pretty simple. But the tape is there to give Penn State fits. Central Michigan showed how you can do that. So if a better team tries to take that game plan and, and use play action and, and run tough and be physical and use crossing routes, whatever have you. Northwestern now has that. And I think Northwestern would beat Central Michigan. Well, I don't even know anymore at this point because they lost to a team that Central Michigan plays every year in Miami of Ohio. So maybe they would have kept it close. Who knows? Uh, but you can now take that game plan and try to reapply it here. You can also reapply what worked last year with Illinois in the nine overtime game. And Northwestern has the assets to be able to do that. They have an Evan Hall, who is just a workhorse of a back. He's tough. He will give you two, three yards, and then eventually he'll break off one for 15 to 20. He is that kind of guy. He's hard to guard out of the backfield because he's the leading receiver this year for Northwestern. He's do it all. So if you're Northwestern, your objective here is to shorten the game, run the heck out of the football, run the heck out of Evan Hall, and and use that to your advantage. Just make this game as ugly as possible, especially if the weather is not too friendly in Happy Valley. For Penn State, Going back to the wide receivers in the previous segment, you need to expose Northwestern's secondary. Uh, Cam Mitchell is obviously talented. He will make a play or two, but you can go after any of these corners with the receivers that you have. You can use the tight ends effectively. Brenton Strange could have a big day. There's not anybody on this Northwestern defense that is reliable enough to shut down all of the guys I just named throughout this show. It might rain, though. And, but we don't know how hard it's going to rain. So if that's the case, how much do you want to throw it? That will remain to be seen. But even in the rain, you can use the play action now. And this is where our balanced running attack helps. Play action, 
and Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen getting good yards will benefit whether it's Sean Clifford or Drew Aller. So if weather's a factor, tomorrow you have the balanced attack to get you out of this one. It's not going to be a repeat of Illinois, even if Northwestern tries to make it, because now Penn State can counter. They can finally play a game and sit on the lead and have that advantage. Have Nicholas Singleton hit the home run. He can against this Northwestern defense. This Northwestern defense, on top of it being bad against the pass, they just don't have the kind of athletes that a lot of teams in the Big Ten have this year. They just can't match up in terms of athleticism, agility, and outright speed. So Nicholas Singleton struggled in the game against Central Michigan. I don't think that will be a problem, actually, against Northwestern, especially if Penn State has to go a little more run-heavy with some inclement weather. And that is how you avoid Illinois 2.0. I will list that as a key. I think they will, but you at least need to have a checkbox next to it. Make sure that this... You you gotta put northern you gotta put northwestern away early. Do not let them around in this game because then they will build some confidence. They'll play even tougher down the stretch, and that's why an Illinois team was able to do what it did. If you allow these feisty teams, especially with good coaching, like Pat Fitzgerald is still a very respectable figure, even if this team's just not that good. He can coach. He's shown that. It's why he's stuck around with the Wildcats for as long as he has. He knows how to motivate the troops. Uh, and he will get the best out of his players. And I know what they've lost to, but what goes around comes around. Like those guys have nothing to lose. They're going to come into Beaver Stadium and just kind of let it all out against a Penn State team that may not be expecting it. Uh, final key for Penn State is to force Ryan Haliski out of his comfort zone. Uh, even though he has, he's averaging over 300 passing yards per game, uh, he's also turning the ball over. Uh, this Northwestern team has actually coughed the ball up offensively, uh, turning over some fumbles, but Ryan Halinski has thrown multiple picks, and I think that in the rain, if Penn State can force them into third and long and, and use the pressure, it will not be a good day for Ryan Halinski to try to get any yardage. So, Uh, Penn State's athleticism uh, and overall talent at the end of the day will beat this Northwestern team, even if Northwestern is motivated, they they play like they have nothing to lose, the coaching is up to par, whatever have you, just the Nittany Lions are just better when it it comes to, it's the same thing with Central Michigan and Ohio. Penn State is just better. They're just more gifted. They have more depth. They have more talent. And that is what is going to win Penn State the game tomorrow. 35 to 13. I will rehash my prediction. I think Penn State wins this one convincingly, even though it is ugly. It will look very similar to Central Michigan. And this prediction goes both ways with uh, Sean Clifford being in or Drew Aller, because we don't know the status of Sean Clifford. We just know that he might not play with the bye week looming and, and most importantly, Michigan in two weeks. I think that Drew Aller, with a balanced attack, doesn't have to be in any pressure situations. And whether whoever's in a quarterback tomorrow, Penn State will still be able to move the football, but most importantly, limit Northwestern because Evan Hall's really the only factor on this team. I would say the offensive lineman, Skaronsky, is the best guy, and that's kind of sad when your left tackle's your best player. But that's just the case for Northwestern this year. They will finish last in the Big Ten, uh, and this is a game where Penn State just needs to look at limiting injuries, kind of getting in and getting out with a victory, going into the bye week, resting up, and and focusing on Michigan. Uh, I hate to say look ahead, but 
you've had this case now for two weeks in a row. You could look past Central Michigan and you could look past Northwestern. They are just not that great of competition this year. Know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Every day, host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen after Locked On Nittany Lions. Locked On Big Ten. Thanks for listening to Locked On Nittany Lions. Another edition is in the books. Go Penn State. We'll recap it all. The Nittany Lions and the Wildcats on Monday after it all goes final.